1: Bring in show music, please.
0: Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. Variants to variants, COVID cases rising in the Northeast. Former FDA Commissioner Scott
2: Gottlieb. People are getting back to mostly life as normal. So they're coming into contact with the virus and they're catching it
0: and it's graduation season. Purdue president Mitch Daniels says the class of 2022 is in high demand, but do you still need the degree?
2: We may
3: well have had for a long time too many students Pursuing a four-year college degree, think we're running the risk now after a 20-some point drop of too few.
0: Plus, red-hot inflation taking a toll on the markets and maybe
1: on crypto's rosy future. I do think there are people who are looking at Bitcoin right now and they're saying, what is it good for?
0: Layoffs at formerly high flyers and got vegan milk? You'll pay for
4: it. If anything gets me going. Charging more for plant-based milk, you mu-
0: It's Wednesday, May 11th, 2022. Squawk Pod begins right now.
3: Stand Becky by in three, two, one.
5: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. <laughs>
0: First up today on the podcast, inflation rose yet again last month. The Consumer Price Index, which measures a broad basket of prices for goods and services in the U.S., increased 8.3 percent from a year ago. Inflation remains near a 40-year high, which poses a threat to our post-pandemic economic recovery. Rising fuel and grocery prices hit consumers right in their wallets. And this uphill climb has also impacted big spending like housing and auto sales. The US Federal Reserve, as we know, has responded with two interest rate hikes so far this year and plans more until inflation hits a more normalized 2%. The stock markets and cryptocurrencies declined initially on the CPI headline. Spooked investors ran for the exits on riskier assets. The price of Bitcoin dipped below the $30,000 mark for the second time this week. That's near the bottom of a year-long trading range. And the volatility in crypto doesn't seem to be passing.
1: Let's uh, talk a little crypto because it has been a wild ride and it got even wilder in certain ways for certain coins uh, overnight. But check this out. And this is what has people thinking this morning. The so-called stable coin that's supposed to be tied to the U.S. dollar, the UST. It is plunging today, trading down now around 35 cents. That's according to CoinGecko data. It's supposed to maintain a dollar peg, so 35 cents instead of a buck. The other main token from the controversial crypto project, Terra, called Luna, L-U-N-A, plunging as much as 80% earlier this morning. And we're digging into why and hope to have more for you uh, on CNBC about this all day long. But uh, lots of nerves about the world of crypto and um, in fact, some of that coming as a result of Coinbase, uh, its shares falling as well. The company reported a first quarter loss of $1.98 per share and revenue that dropped 27% from a year ago, falling short of estimates. The stock is down now about 75% year to date. Retail monthly transaction users fell to $9.2 million. That's down from $11.4 million in the prior quarter, trading volume dropping $547 billion in Q4 to $309 billion. In Q1. So, first there was the debate of whether you wanted to own the coins. Then there was the debate now about whether you wanted to own the exchanges on the coins. Exchanges always seemed like the safer bet in That'll some ways. More. 370 was the high. 370,
4: 368 and change uh, on that one. You, you, uh, you mentioned Gecko. Did you get that yesterday, Andrew? Did you? I, I did not. You didn't get it on Wordle. You didn't that was no, the I did not. I, oh, I you didn't did do it? Quirtle. You guys
5: skip days? I I did Quirtle, I didn't do Wordle. You
4: didn't do Wordle. Yes. A Gecko. That was a tough one. Gecko uh
1: now I Geico tried holders. and I failed.
4: No, you I failed. failed. But I gave you up did you gave Oh, you gave up. You didn't fail. I, that's a better idea. no to go I mean, through I, all six ever, and then you, for them to tell you, you feel even Do you worse.
1: ever get five down, you're five down into it, and you know you're just too far <laughs> off to get there, and yeah. you just write the word in table or something like that just to see what the <laughs> answer is? Just to
5: see what is. the answer
1: is, yeah. Becky puts right. it, your first word is always farts,
4: right? Because if it yeah. ever...
5: No, you that, said, was a, that was a guy on Twitter who said uh, that.
4: Because if it ever is farts, he wants he to get it right. on... When right. One <laughs> <laughs> No. I've been thinking a lot about this. You know, I've been thinking, wow. So, Bitcoin, sixty-eight to to thirty, to twenty-nine, and then it's like, that's how can anyone invest in that? And then I looked at Peloton. (laughs) I mean, stocks do. It's just the risky assets are able to go. They they don't just go down fifty percent, fifty-five. Some high flyers go down. We know that now. Everything moves. The, the correlation on Bitcoin with, with with the Nasdaq is just uncanny uh, I mean, right now.
5: Again, you have to probably start thinking that there are some forced selling issues that You would think place. so,
4: yeah. And to raise money. To there, like, really I got, money got some money down. here. Like
5: if, if you're on margin and you have to raise money somewhere to, to sell off something that's dropped pretty significantly. Yep. But if you look at what's happened with UST, I mean, that's kind of like a run on the bank, right? There's a, 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 cra- a crash in confidence. And... People want out, and they're worried, and they're worried that Terra, this project, is going to have to sell some of the Bitcoin underneath to, to prop up UST. So it, it gets into the cyclical yeah. issue of confidence, and that's what you see when you have a bank run. I don't,
4: I don't worry as much about UST as when. Remember when the money market started breaking the buck? Yeah, that back was terrifying. In, that that was a little bit more of an issue. And then I, I finally realized, okay, so the argument for Bitcoin: if we're debasing the currency and printing all this money. You know, there's only 21 million Bitcoin, so this is the way that you hedge against the, the declining dollar. But at the same time that they're printing the money that you're hedging against, all that money they're printing is going in, the speculative money is going into Bitcoin. So it's like a double whammy. You're buying it for both reasons. And when it stops, and when the Fed goes the other way, the speculative money is no longer flowing into it. Right. And then the rationale for for doing it becomes less because the, the
1: dollar... But that was always the point. You it, it, We've always talked about, you know, you could dig a hole in the ground, and it could take you energy and cost you money to dig the hole, but the hole may not be valuable to anybody.
4: No, I don't. I, I don't buy that I, because I, I, looking at the way money, what money is, you get a, a ledger entry. We've been trying to figure out a, a ledger entry that's immutable know, and it, and all those things, and, and it worked. And I don't think it's going to zero. I think it's always going to be around. I I think it's weird to watch it, it go down as it, it as, as it but, becomes more and more, more popular.
1: As more and more institutions are, I mean, it I don't could be, th- around it could it be around at five thousand bucks or ten thousand bucks or 15. It could go back down there
4: and then go. It's been it, it was at 20 and Does went it down to, to be at 60 thousand dollars and back to 60. I mean, it goes.
1: But don't you think it goes to this moment where we're, people are looking at a Peloton, for example, and they're looking at the actual business and they're saying, what's it good for? Right. What can mm. it actually do for me? What are the earnings actually going to be? I think it's different and I than. Think there are people I, I think who are looking di- at Bitcoin right
4: now. Than, no, I think it's different than. And I think I think it is a store value. I think it's a store. I think it's a store value. I do. Well, at the moment, it's a, but, moment, a, it's a about, lousy one. Uh, well, we'll see. I mean, it, it's at thirty thousand up from two thousand where it was a year ago, so it's not that lousy. I see. I see gold bugs that are laughing now about Bitcoin. <laughs> they were saying it. At fifteen hundred, that gold's going to five thousand. Bitcoin's never going up. Now the gold's at, at whatever it is, eighteen hundred, and they're laughing that the thing that went to, to sixty-six thousand is now down to It Just to,
5: depends on your interest point. It, it, Let's what, talk, what, what was the what, more than forty percent of people who have bought Bitcoin? Yeah, right, right, are underwater. underwater. So everybody
4: that bought peltons probably underwater. A hundred percent. Carvana, the, the online car dealer, is laying off twelve percent of its workforce in an email to employees early yesterday. The CEO. Uh, said that the company overshot its growth strategy and would have to cut around 2,500 workers. Eventually, some of the fired employees took to Twitter yesterday complaining about being laid off over Zoom. Wow. Carvana said its executive team would be giving up uh, salaries for the rest of the year to help fund the severance pay for the workers. The news came as uh, Carvana closed a deal to buy a network of used car auction sites for $2.2 billion. The financing for that transaction was problematic, forced Carvana to borrow at higher costs. And this stock closed yesterday 90% off its all-time high uh, that it was at uh, last August.
5: Look, rocket companies, uh, the mortgage company, has offered severance packages to about 8% of its workers. And that is because you're also not seeing the refinancing activity that we've seen in the past. Any of these big booms that came through some of these situations, they hired up to staff for it and, and now are having to streamline. The one thing I would say is anybody who's getting laid off and by the way, Rocket was offering some really generous uh, severance packages, including letting you keep your health insurance for a long time, having six months pay or more. But the one good news is that in this job market, you can probably go out and find another job pretty quickly.
4: I still think if you have a building that looks like a vending machine, you've got to be worth $200. Uh, it, just, it should not be it, right? If, it's, if you go and like it's so cool it looks like a vending machine, don't you it think that's like worth it?
5: looks like a Matchbox car
4: right. package. Don't you think that's worth $200 a, a share? I don't see how it can go down. Because that is, I mean, you don't like that? How do they get them up there?
5: I don't know. I how was, much like, would you pay just for garage?
1: that building, Joe? What's that? How much would you pay for that building? There was, a, there was a joke going around the other day that that is the market cap of the whole company, that, whatever that is. Uh, it, it,
4: it, and what's it good for after this? A lot of uh, Skittles, I guess. It's a cool parking lot. Yeah, a cool parking lot, that's right, that you can't really get your car up and out of and into you know, in less than like four hours, which is what it takes around here half the time. Actor James Cromwell glued his hand to the counter of a starbucks in midtown manhattan yesterday it wasn't an accident he's known for his roles in babe and succession he was protesting the coffee giants extra charge for plant-based milk I, that gets me when will you stop charging us more for vegan milk when will you stop raking in huge profits while customers animals and the environment suffer if anything gets me going Charging more for plant-based milk, you mu- that, uh, most Starbucks uh, stores charge between 50 cents and a dollar more for drinks made with plant-based milk. He feels very, very strongly about this. could be soy, could be almond, oat, or coconut, none of which, any of these things are milk. Because they're not from, uh, plants don't lactate, or do they?
5: No. Okay.
4: Uh, he wore a shirt, a shirt that read, free the animals and carried a sign... That said, end the vegan upcharge. The 82-year-old actor was arrested back in 2017 for interrupting an ORCA show at SeaWorld. And you know, I anything any actor's thinking at any given time I want to know about. I just do because they're just, you know, they're just really in touch with the the rest of us in the real world.
0: Next on Squawk Pod, former FDA Commissioner Scott Gottlieb on the rise of new COVID cases and the new sub-variant to blame.
2: And I'm hopeful that the uh, the vaccines based on the B1 variant are gonna provide meaningful protection against these new sub-lineages of Omicron.
0: What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGM? it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with P. a leading global asset manager. This podcast is supported
6: by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture-proof-of-delivery,
0: Less than a third of Americans are concerned they will get the COVID-19 virus. In spite of an uptick, yeah, we are seeing rising numbers of new infections again. A Gallup poll released today found that 31% of Americans said they were somewhat or very worried about catching the virus. Gallup notes that is the lowest measure of concern in their polling since last July. The latest in the alphabet soup of variants is BA2.121, which health officials say is at least 25 percent more transmissible than the BA2 variant that emerged following the initial holiday Omicron surge in late 2021 and early 2022. Data from the CDC released yesterday showed that this new variant of the variant is responsible for more than 42 percent of COVID infections in the U.S. and more than two-thirds of sequenced cases in New York State, where the rolling rate of new breakthroughs, so in vaccinated individuals, has risen each week since early March. So are we in for another wave? I'll hand it off here to Andrew Ross Sorkin.
1: Joining us right now is Dr. Scott Gottlieb, former FDA commissioner, of course, a CMBC contributor, serves on the boards of Pfizer and Illumina. Doctor, we haven't seen you in quite a while Uh, We appreciate seeing you, Uh, but there does seem to be. And I don't know if people like to use the word surge, but it feels like there is a surge, at least in New York and and parts of the northeast. What's going on? And is there a peak in sight? Look, there's clearly a wave of infection going through the northeast right now. If you look at the data
2: coming out of the states, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Connecticut, New Jersey, um, New York state, It seems to be peaking right right now when you look at the modeling. This is a wave with B2 and B2.121, two sub-lineages of Omicron. They appear to be more contagious and have slightly more immune escape than the B1 variant. But the immunity acquired through B1 infection should be cross-protective or fairly cross-protective, probably a little less so against B2.121. So we're probably not seeing reinfections right now. What we're seeing is infections in people who so far have escaped Omicron infection. This more contagious variant with slightly more immune escape seems to be capturing people who so far have escaped infection with the Omicron wave. And remember, this is against the backdrop where we've lifted all mitigation. People are getting back to mostly life as normal. So they're coming into contact with the virus and they're catching it.
1: And so you you were saying that, that for the most part, this is not reinfection, at least anecdotally I know now a number of friends and colleagues and peers who had Omicron earlier in the year, unless it was Delta and they didn't know it, and they appear to have just gotten infected again, even in the past couple of weeks. Yeah, look, the immunity conferred from infection with B1, with
2: Omicron, is going to be robust for about three months, and it will be probably pertinent for about six months, but it's going to start to wane. So it's possible that people who were infected back in January are experiencing some reinfections. And we know with B2, Um, infection with B1 is only 95% protective against reinfection with B2 within the first three months. It's probably less so with B2.121. So it's possible that we're seeing some reinfections, but on the whole, uh, the the immunity conferred by B1, when you look at the neutralizing antibodies from B1, while they're reduced against this new variant, this B2.121, they still should be protective enough that within this window, most people are not going to get reinfected. The, the, The risk is to the fall. By the fall, most people who've been infected with Omicron probably will have sufficient waning in their immunity that they will be vulnerable to these new variants. So the, um, the drop in titers and neutralizing antibody tri- titers between B1 infection and B2.121, and that's the more contagious variant of B2, is about fourfold. That's probably not enough to um, have wholesale reinfections, So most of the people who are getting infected right now probably are people who haven't been previously infected with Omicron. That said, there are some reinfections. And if you are seeing reinfections, it's probably more likely as with this more contagious contagious B2.121 variant,
1: which has more immune escape. Right. Now, the good news is that there does not seem to be nearly the kind of hospitalizations or deaths that we had before. You talked about the fall. Let's talk about the fall because clearly vaccines are going to play a role in the fall. Are you of the view, and I know it hasn't been selected yet, what this vaccine is ultimately going to look like, but do you believe the vaccine in the fall not only is going to prevent hospitalization, but are we going to get to a point where the vaccination unto itself prevents infection the way it did for at least or appeared to briefly last fall when it was up against Delta? Yeah, look, I hope it's going to be
2: more protective against infection than the vaccines are currently and restore some of that original promise that we achieved when the vaccines were initially launched and they were targeted against that original strain. Um, Right now, there are studies going on looking at the immunity conferred by these new vaccines, and these vaccines are based on an Omicron backbone, so they're based on B1. Both Moderna and Pfizer are developing vaccines based on the original Omicron variant. There's studies going on looking at whether or not the neutralizing antibodies conferred by these vaccines are going to be protective against these new sublineages of Omicron, B2, B2 B2.121, and then B4 and B5, which are spreading in South Africa. I'm hopeful that they will be because there's some data out of South Africa that shows that when people are vaccinated with the old vaccine and infected with Omicron B1, they have very robust protection against B4 and B5, whereas people who were never vaccinated but only infected with B1, so the only immunity that they have is from previous Omicron infection. They were not well protected against B4 and B5. They were getting reinfected. And in fact, a lot of the infections in South Africa right now probably are reinfections with B4 and B5. So I'm hopeful that at least a bivalent should simulate that, that effect.
1: If, if it doesn't, is there time to reformulate at this point? Or, in, or Or is this sort of where we're locked in to whatever you're going to do this fall? Yeah, look,
2: we're not locked in. Both manufacturers, including Pfizer, the company I'm on the board of, have been manufacturing these Omicron-based vaccines at risk. So they'll have they'll have sufficient supply for the fall, probably heading into a September um, vaccination campaign. There's time to reformulate it. You probably would choose a B2 backbone if you were going to reformulate. It. The question is the regulatory process. If FDA would authorize that based on epidemiological data alone, or they'd want clinical outcomes data. If they want clinical outcomes data, that's gonna take longer. And you might see a scenario where the B1 vaccine, so, it's, so either a bivalent vaccine based on half the old lineage and half the B1 lineage, would get rolled out in September or an Omicron-only vaccine would get rolled out in September. And then perhaps you'd follow up later in the year with a B2-based vaccine or a vaccine based on whatever variant you think is gonna circulate. But I, I do believe when we'll have the data soon, I'm hopeful that the, uh, the vaccines based on the B1 variant are going to provide meaningful protection against
1: these new sublineages of Omicron. When you look at what's happening in China, obviously, we're all very concerned about the health issues there, but also the supply chain issues, to put it in, in economic terms. How do you see that playing out at this point? Well, they managed to get control
2: of the uh, wave of infection that they were experiencing in Shanghai, um, obviously with very brutal measures that they employed. I I don't see a way out for China right now. I think that this is a whole different ballgame with Omicron. It's going to be very hard to adopt a zero covid policy with such a contagious variant. And they're seeing B2.12 there as well right now, which is even more contagious. They have a population that's largely immune naive. There was a study out yesterday in the Journal Nature Medicine showing that the vaccines that have been deployed aren't very protective. They have a largely immune naive population to these new Omicron lineages. And plus, people who were vaccinated were vaccinated a long time ago. They haven't rolled out a broad booster campaign. So I think they're very vulnerable as a country. And the only way that they're going to continue to keep this out uh, in any meaningful way is to continue to have these very onerous lockdowns. So you're going to continue to see these kinds of disruptions like what you saw in Shanghai. There's really no other way out of this. The only other option they have is a a mass vaccination campaign with more effective vaccines. They have access to it. And so far, they've made a decision not to do that.
5: Hey, Scott, that gets us back to a point we've discussed a couple of times in the past. Just this idea of the rolling lockdowns continuing because they are not going to be prepared. That has implications for the entire globe because of how much we rely on the supply chain coming out of China. I mean, we're talking about these inflation numbers today. We're hoping that we're going to get some relief. A couple of the guests we've spoken to this morning already said that they think things will get better uh, in the next month or so as those lockdowns come down. But you don't think that's likely just based from a medical perspective, right?
2: Look, I think people are going to have to price in the uncertainty of the risk in China right now Uh, and seeing more cities like Shanghai, where you have to implement very broad lockdowns to try to control the spread. The leadership right now seems bent on this zero COVID policy. There's speculation in the the Financial Times a week ago that some of the leadership is trying to convince Z to adopt a different policy um, because it just isn't going to be possible with Omicron. And that's where I am. I don't think they're going to be able to keep this infection out um, given the fact that this is a much more contagious variant, just with mitigation alone, they're going to have to rely on vaccines and therapeutics. So far, they haven't adopted
1: that strategy. Maybe they'll pivot at some point soon, but so far they haven't done that. Big picture question. Uh, I was talking to a friend about this the other day, given, give, given the, the surge that we're seeing in New York, how how long away do you think we are before medicine is ahead of, of this pandemic? And I, I know we're We've now moved probably from a, a pandemic to something that's more endemic. But how, how close do you think we are? Is this another year, this idea that, that everyone's going to get some form of this once, twice, three times a year at this rate? Well, look, probably a good
2: portion of the population has already had this, right? Um, they've been infected. It looks like Omicron has infected 50 to 60 percent of the population. Now with this B2 wave, it's picking up additional people. Um, most people have been vaccinated at this point as well. Many people have been vaccinated and infected. So we have a very tall wall of immunity here in the United States. That doesn't mean that a new variant can't pierce that immunity and spread very aggressively, but it's unlikely to cause the same kind of death and disease that we've seen from these past variants, barring something very unexpected happening where it mutates in a direction where it becomes more virulent, which is possible, but seems less and less likely. The continued mutations seem to be happening within this Omicron lineage. I think by the fall, this is going to be a little bit more normalized where you're going to see this spreading against the backdrop of relatively normal behavior um, with the widespread availability of vaccines and therapeutics for people who are still excessively vulnerable to the virus and want to protect themselves. So I think that we're going to start to see A more normalized picture this winter. That said, there probably are going to be a lot of infections because you're still going to have um, immune naive people. There'll be people who are overconfident about the immunity that they have conferred from prior infection with B1 with Omicron. That's going to be waning going into the fall. So I think you are going to see a wave of infection heading into the fall and the winter, whether or not it's the hundred million infections predicted by the White House
1: or something less than that, it's hard to know. Dr. Scott Gottlieb, it's always great to get your perspective on all of it. You make us smarter every time. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Cheese will be
0: next. Next, on Pod, Purdue University President Mitch Daniels on the job prospects for 2022 grads and his thoughts on student loan
3: forgiveness. The forgiveness idea may be the worst public policy idea of recent times. I can't find any redeeming feature. It's a gift to the wealthy.
6: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you
0: You're listening
5: to Squawk Pod from CNBC. Here's Becky Quick.
4: Up on Becky, Q.
5: It is commencement season and new graduates from across the United States are gonna be flooding a job market struggling to find workers. For a look at what's ahead for the class of 2022, let's welcome Purdue University President Mitch Daniels. He is the former OMB director and of course the former governor of Indiana. And Mitch, thank you for being with us today. We're going to talk about a lot of things, including what's happening with the loan forgiveness of tuition. But why don't we start with this job market? Because this has to be the best job market that these graduates are going into at any time since you've been at Purdue. I'm, I'm guessing that's the case. What, what numbers do you see in terms of graduates who already have a job offer? And How does that compare to what you've seen in the past?
3: Good guess, Becky. It's not just the best since I've been here. It's the best in this century or as far back as our records go. This was true last year, uh, 90, uh, in our case, uh, 98% of uh, Purdue graduates had a, a job that we know of within the first six months, and this year looks even stronger. Uh, it, and so, uh, uh, you know, we know that uh, employers have relaxed in many cases their requirements, either GPA or even of a diploma, um, which indicates I think the issues on the demand side but, uh, yeah, there's no question. It, it's never been hard for a Purdue graduate to get a job, it, and I'm happy to say that seems to be a general case uh, across the country right now.
5: There have been some reports that even with this great job markets, graduates could have some too high expectations in terms of salary. I think I read that the average graduate from universities right now expects an opening salary of just over $100,000, and maybe that's about twice what the reality is. Is that the case, or does this depend on what your degree is or where you're coming from?
3: Reality uh, comes to roost with uh, young people in a variety of ways. I guess this is one of those in the modern age, uh, when they start paying taxes, that'll be another wake up. But uh, all that said, um, whatever their expectations, I think they they can certainly um, look forward to high prospects for employment and uh, and, and to employers who are we, we now know, uh, uh, very eager, I'm tempted to say desperate, to retain the workers they have. So probably good uh, opportunities for advancement, uh, uh, career development, and, uh, and so, so forth.
5: You, know, you just said something that employers are dropping demands they used to have, including even the demand for, for a degree. Does that mean people are dropping out of school or maybe not applying to school as a result because you, you don't need the degree to get hired?
3: is a very important point. This is one of those best and worst of time situations. Uh, on the one hand, as we just said, I think the prospects for young people, um, regardless almost of uh, educational attainment, are very, very strong. On the flip side, it, it has led to, along with other factors like uh, lockouts and so forth, has led to a plummet in the percentage of young people seeking college. You know, we may, have, we may well have had for a long time Um, uh, Too many uh, uh, students uh, pursuing a four-year college degree, uh, I think we're running the risk now after a 20-some point uh, drop of too few uh, seeking the uh, credential that would serve them so well throughout their lives
5: let's talk about loan forgiveness student loan forgiveness i have a pretty good idea of where you're going to come down on this um this idea that the president could in the coming days forgive up to ten thousand dollars in student loans for people who are making less than one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. you you've done a very good job at purdue of maintaining costs keeping levels at the same levels they were forget about inflation keeping it at those levels uh, since all the way back to the 2012 2013 year what what do you think about what's happening with college inflationary prices and what happens with student loan forgiveness?
3: I think the forgiveness idea may be the worst public policy idea of of recent times. I can't find any redeeming feature. Um, It's um, uh, very unfair to those who did pay as 99% of our graduates do pay back uh, their obligations. Uh, It's a gift to the wealthy. The doctors and lawyers are the two categories who would benefit the most. Only 5 percent, even of the most modest suggestion they're talking about, only 5 percent would go to the bottom quintile. It's the most regressive policy uh, idea we've seen. Uh, It's probably illegal. I mean, this is the spending of hundreds of billions of dollars with a stroke of an executive pen. And uh, Congress is supposed to have the power of the purse. It would be unprecedented in that way. It's a terrible uh, moral hazard, as the economists say, meaning that people in the future will figure they can get them off the hook, too, and uh, will borrow more than they should. That'll push up college costs. Um, I just, uh, I, I really wish they would abandon it. There are better ways. They should put colleges like ours on the hook for some of this uh, unpaid debt. We should have to stand behind our performance. That'd be a lot better way to get at it than, uh, than this, uh, you know, incredible... Uh, pillaging of the taxpayer. By the way, the final uh, irony here is who's going to get the bill uh, if they add another several hundred billion to the national debt? The very same young people uh, in whose the name it's being done.
5: Right. And, and the people who have paid their loans in the past, too. Mitch, I, I think this idea of having skin in the game is really important. Why aren't universities held to some of these things, too? The, the, the idea that costs go up every year without fail uh, is, is, is kind of crazy. And, and we're short on time. But how, how would you address that?
3: You just said it very well, Becky. We, we all know that the flooding of the market with uh, uh, subsidies has, has been a contributing factor to pushing up college costs, and uh, requiring schools to, as I say, stand behind their performance uh, would, uh, I think, uh, really uh, cause uh, uh, some uh, moderation of that.
5: Mitch Daniels, Purdue University president. Um, by the way, on the way out, I, I noticed that your students named a new virus that was discovered after you. Um, Daddy Daniels, in your honor. Um, How do you feel about that?
3: Oh, it, uh, it, you know, I've had uh, animals of various kinds named after me in the past, but this was always a secret aspiration of mine to have a, <laughs> uh, to have a microphage uh, uh, carrying my name. And it's probably the nicest thing that's happened recently.
5: Okay. Mitch, want to thank you. Good luck with commencement and appreciate your time today. Mitch Daniels, the president of Purdue University.
0: Thanks for listening to Squawk Pod today. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. And to get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you right back here tomorrow.
4: We are clear. Thanks, guys.